what I'm going to share with you, this message. And I, I prefaced it by saying that if someone was to ask me, which I have been asked now that I'm more seasoned, not older, seasoned. Now that I'm more seasoned, I've had young ministers ask me for words of advice. And if, and, and if someone was to ask me, uh, Pastor Angel, uh, I'm in ministry now, or I'm starting this, and I, I want to know how to experience fruitfulness, what would you say to me? I would give them a simple response. I would tell them, no crap, no crop. No crap, no crop. Because I've learned that ministry is not easy. And if you want to be fruitful and not just be a maintainer, but you want to experience growth, you got to be willing to deal with crap. Oh, I know, I know, I know. You're like, oh, I can't believe he's saying that in church. You said worse. And that's why you're laughing right now. You've heard worse. So no crap, no crop. And, and you'll see it's even biblical. It's a biblical concept. I'll, I'll back it up with scripture. For those of you that are just still can't get over the fact that I said crap. I'm like, come on, grow up already, please. Paul used a strong word in the word of God. He used strong words in the word of God to emphasize the truth. Now, there was a preacher that quit ministry after more than 20 years of faithful, dedicated service. And he became a funeral director. When he was asked why he changed vocations, he said, I spent 10 years trying to straighten out John, and he's still an alcoholic. When I, then I spent three and a half years trying to straighten Harold and Susan's marriage, and they ended up getting a divorce. Later, I tried for two years to help Bob kick his drug habit, and he is still an addict. Then he continued, but now at the funeral home, when I straighten them out, they stay straight. <laughs> so what I mean by this concept of no crap, no crop, it's, the reality is that if you don't go through hell, you can't experience harvest. And there's a word that I read one time in a book by Pastor Wayne Cordero that really spoke to my heart about the necessity of being persistent, of persevering. He said this, if you're going through hell, don't stop to take pictures. Just keep going. Because eventually you'll get through it with God. And if you're going through hell, know this, that hell never has the final word. Heaven does. I want to let you know there's harvest for you if you believe it. So let me read an interesting passage of Scripture found in Ezekiel chapter 4. And I'm reading verses 9 through 15 out of the New Living Translation. Ezekiel 4, 9 through 15 says, Now go and get some wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and emmer wheat, and mix them together in a storage jar. This is God telling Ezekiel, giving him these instructions. Then he said, Use them to make bread for yourself. Watch this. During the 390 days, you will be lying on your side. Ration this out to yourself, eight ounces of food for each day, and eat it at set times. Then measure out a jar of water for each day and drink it at set times. Prepare and eat this food as you would barley cakes. While all the people are watching, bake it over fire. Notice, using dried human dung as fuel and then eat bread. 
Then the Lord said, This is how Israel will eat defiled bread in the Gentile lands to which I will banish them. Then I said, Oh, sovereign Lord, must I be defiled by using human dung? For I have never been defiled before. From the time I was a child until now, I have never eaten any animal that died of sickness or was killed by other animals. I have never eaten any meat forbidden by the law. All right, the Lord said, You may bake your bread with cow dung instead of human dung. Now, cooking a meal over dried dung may seem uncommon to you, but it, may, it remains a common practice where primitive conditions exist in the Middle East. Because trees are scarce in some areas, the people will mix dried animal dung with straw or dry weeds in order to create a fuel to cook with. In the Old West, out on an open range where there were few trees, people there would gather buffalo chips and burn them for fuel. This was quite common. Now, Ezekiel, he had grown up in a priestly family and the use of human waste was expressly forbidden as unclean according to the directives found in the book of Deuteronomy. Ezekiel objected and God permitted Ezekiel to alter the demonstration slightly. It did not take away from the meaning. The people would be rationing, but just doing whatever they could to survive. Now let me tell you right now, I am so glad that God did not call me to be a preacher in the Old Testament days. I'm so glad I wasn't called to be an Old Testament prophet. Why? Because these guys were not only given a message to present, sometimes they were instructed to act out in weird, in their messages with dramatic and even bizarre behavior. For example, there was one prophet whose name was Hosea, and he was ordered by God to marry a prostitute. And if that wasn't bad enough, her name was Gomer. Makes me want to say, well, golly. <laughs> and then there was another prophet who was ordered by God to walk butt naked for three years. That was Isaiah in Isaiah 20, 1 through 4. Now, again, no crap, no crop. And speaking of crap, there was a turkey that was talking with the bull. They were having a conversation and the turkey said to the bull, I would love to be able to get to the top of that tree, but I don't have the energy to do so. Well, the bull replied, why don't you nibble on some of my droppings? They're packed with nutrients. <laughs> the turkey began to peck at a lump of the dung and actually found enough strength to get up to the first branch. The next day, after eating some more dung, he was able to get up to the second branch. And then eventually, after eating and nibbling on the dung of the bull, he ended up on top of the tree. But then he was quickly spotted by a hunter who shot him down out of the tree. What's the moral of the story? Here it is. B.S. Bull crap. Got to sanctify it. It might get you to the top, but it won't keep you there. Now, Ezekiel was commanded by God. I want you to prepare your food using human dung for fuel, for the fire. 
Ezekiel said, no, I can't do that. It'll make me unclean. So God said, then, then here, here's cow manure. Use cow manure. Use cow dung. And so Ezekiel uses it. But any way you look at it, dung is dung. And truth be told, here it is. Any ministry worth its salt has had to make a decision of what to do with the crap that's part of ministry. A successful ministry is one that deals with the methods of ministry productively. Watch this. Successful ministers and leaders use the crap as fuel to produce something beneficial. Let me say to you, if you want to experience progress in your life, in, for your future, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your business, at your workplace, you've got to expect you're going to experience and have to confront and deal with crap. Life can get crappy. But people that advance have learned you can complain about the crap or you can use the crap for your benefit. What do you mean, Pastor? For the harvest to materialize, you've got to be willing to fertilize. You've got to be willing to get your hands dirty in the dung. Oh, I can't believe he's talking that way. Let's go to the Bible. Proverbs 14, 4. Where there are no oxen, the manger is what? No wonder you're not responding. Proverbs 14, 4. There it is. Where there are no oxen, the manger is what? Empty. But from the strength of an ox comes what? An abundant harvest. Where there are no oxen, the manger is what? No crap. In case you didn't want to know what it means. If there is no oxen in the manger, there'll be no messes. But if there is no oxen in the manger, you can expect an abundant harvest. If you want an abundant harvest, you've got to be willing to also deal with the messes, the crap in the manger. Here's what separates effective leaders from ineffective leaders. Effective leaders understand no matter what, there's going to be crap. But instead of complaining about the crap, I'm going to get the shovel. I'm going to get the wheelbarrow. I'm going to work on the, getting that crap out of that manger. But I'm not going to leave it without making it work for me. I'm going to take that crap and then I'm going to use it as fertilizer on the field. Then I'm going to come back to the ox and I'm going to harness the ox and utilize the strength of the ox to work the field because I expect harvest is coming. I believe that God is true. If he said, if I don't grow weary and well doing that I will reap a harvest if I don't give up, I believe he means it. Pastor Angel can't handle whiners. Because it's like, people just talk about how crappy life is, and I'm like, welcome to the club. We all got to deal with crap. But what are we going to do about it? I told them in color. I, I remember one day I was sitting, because now I had a position in our movement, and I was sitting among leaders, and they were seasoned leaders. Older leaders. And all I was hearing was, wah, 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 this generation, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my goodness. That's going to be you in 20 years, Angel, if you keep hanging out here. And I told my wife, I'm done. I don't want to be in the politics of ministry because I'm discovering all they do is talk about the problems. I don't want to be a talker of problems. I want to solve problems. I still believe that in spite of what you're saying about this generation, this generation can be used by God in a mighty way if we're willing to harness their strength and also deal with the crap and use it to fertilize. What are you saying, Pastor? Here it is. Successful ministers, leaders, understand you can't experience harvest without being willing to deal with the crap. Somebody on live stream, clap your hands, okay? Somebody there, because it's awfully quiet here. You go ahead. Encourage me, somebody. Hey, 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 hey. And I don't, I don't get... You can even use a poop emoji if you want to, just to let me know you're listening. True account, true story. Jan was on staff with Athletes in Action after attending a conference where the importance of listening to unsaved people was stressed. Jan and others were relaxing in the hotel whirlpool. Two adolescents, two teenage girls joined them in the tub. One of the teens, one of the teens named Brittany, began passionately telling her friend, about an upcoming Wiccan gathering she was planning to attend. By the way, Wicca is a religion which worships God and goddess, finds spirituality in all of creation, believes the practice of magic and spells, and seeks to contact the spiritual world through any means. And here's what Jan continued to say, continues to say. Normally, we would have tried to counter the girl's ideas, But we decided to listen instead. I said something simple like, wow, you really sound excited about this. This was all the encouragement she needed to launch into a five-minute explanation of why she was so attracted to neo-pagan rituals. The bottom line was that she had had a really traumatic time in high school. And the Wiccas accepted her. She said, this is her words, I've gone through so much crap just trying to make it through high school that I'll probably be in therapy for the rest of my life. Jan tried to mirror back what she said with this. It's hard for you to even imagine a future where you'd be free from all the pain you've gone through. Then Jan continues. What came next completely floored me. With the film of tears starting to form in her eyes and with complete sincerity in her voice, she said, Sometimes I wish I could be born all over again. I'd really like to start over from scratch. After a long pause, my friend asked if she would really like to be born again. Yes, I really would, she said. And then they were able To share the gospel with her and lead her 
to experience being born again. Why? John 3, 3, John 3, 5, Jesus said, unless a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Unless a person is born of the spirit and of the water and born again, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And 1 Peter 1, 23 says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Brittany was able to come to the realization and the application of the fact that in Jesus, no matter what your past is like, no matter how crappy life has been in him, you can experience a bumper crop. You can experience an abundant harvest in Jesus, no matter your past. Your past does not keep you from a future filled with promise. And I'm here to say to you, you may feel like, well, Pastor Angel, you don't know the brokenness I'm in right now. You don't know the hurt that I've experienced. You don't know the trauma that I've undergone. And I'll say it to you honestly and forthrightly. No, I don't. But I know one who we've celebrated already during our worship. His name is Jesus. He bore your suffering. He bore your infirmities. He experienced depth of pain so that you could be born again. And I want to say to you, no matter what kind of family you've been born into, they don't determine how far you can go and how much of life you can enjoy. Jesus does. And Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Woo! Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. If you want God to turn your messes into a message, if you want to move from the crap to the crop, then you've got to choose the right attitude. Every day, you've heard me say this, but let me say it again. Every day, we choose what kind of attitude we're going to live by. We can live by a beat-up attitude, or we can live by an upbeat attitude. What do you mean, Pastor? Here it is. A beat-up attitude says, like Jacob said in the Bible, in Genesis 42, 36, he said, Everything is against me. Have you ever felt like that, that everything was against you? Have you ever felt like everyone was against you? Jacob felt that way. Everything is against him. And when you begin to accept that and you begin to adopt that mindset, it will keep you in the dumps. You know, Eeyore. I think it's going to rain today. You know, we can get in that attitude. Everything is bad. Nobody remembers it's my birthday today. You know, we all can adopt that attitude. We can all adapt a beat-up attitude. Or, or, we can have an upbeat attitude that says like Paul wrote in the Bible in Romans 8, 28. And we know, say we know. That God causes everything, say everything, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. I want you to know if you have God in your life, you have everything you need for everything you'll face. Because no matter what comes against your life, if God is in your life, He's going to work it all. He's going to work it all for your good, for your profit, for your benefit. He's going to turn your sorrow into joy. He's going to turn your pain into pride. I'm telling somebody today, just not here, but also on live stream. Yes, I know life's been crappy. Yes, I know life has been difficult. But I also know that if you're a child of God, your story ain't over. Your story is still being written. Your future is bright and it's full of hope. Ah! 
attitude is everything, somebody said. Actually, attitude is a small thing that can make a big difference. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love this story because it's my favorite attitude story. You've heard it. There was once a woman who woke up one morning and she looked in the mirror and all she saw was three hairs on her head. You know what this woman said? Well, she said, I think I'll braid my hair today. And she did. And she had a wonderful day. The next day she wakes up, looks in the mirror. Now she only has two hairs on her head. She says, I think I'll part my hair in the middle today. And she did, and she had a grand day. The next morning she wakes up and looks in the mirror. She only has one little pelito, one little hair on her head. And she says to herself, and she says out loud, she says, I think I'll wear my hair in a ponytail today. And she did, and she had a fun, fun day. Then the next morning she gets up and she looks in the mirror, and she notices she has no hair on her head, and she yells out loud. Yay! I don't have to make my hair today. I don't have to fix it. Woohoo! Ah, you ever feel down? Yes. You ever feel discouraged? Yes. What do you do, Pastor? I remind myself. There's somebody else in a worse situation that's still joyful. So joy has nothing to do with your circumstances. And especially if you're a child of God, I've got a reason to be joyful regardless. Do you ever have pain in your body? You better believe I do. But how do you keep on going? It's because I remind myself. I've got the living one, the author and finisher of my faith inside of me. I've got the strength from heaven already dwelling in me. I've got a hope. I've got a future. I've got promises that are still unfolding in my life. I want you to know today that no matter the pressure that you're undergoing, you've got a reason to rejoice. Why? Because your God does not abandon you. Your God is working all things together for good. So, 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 Pastor, how do, how do, how do, I, how do, how do I move from, from, from the crap to the crop? Here it is, here it is. The process to progress includes a willingness to deal with the dung in our lives. There it is. The process to progress includes a willingness to deal with the dung in our lives. Would you, I'm giving you permission, elbow somebody right now and tell them, deal with it. Yeah, tell them, deal with it. There it is, deal with it. The Bible tells us in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Nehemiah 2, 13 and 14. I, I didn't mean that hard. Somebody really hit somebody hard. They're, like, they're still over. Oh. Nehemiah 2, 13 and 14 says, By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the what gate? Dung gate. Examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on. Say moved on. Toward the fountain gate in the king's pool. But there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So he, he's going through. He's inspecting the broken down walls and the burned gates. And, and he comes, he says, to the dung gate. And they, uh, they believe that's where the dung was put. The refuse was piled up at in that area. It stinks, stank, stunk. How many of you have ever had to deal with stink on your life? But then notice what he did. He moved on. Where did he move on to? It tells us he went to the fountain gate. And then the king's pool. Watch this fountain gate. Most scholars believe this was this place was given its name because its eastward location was just above 
and open to a path leading down to the Kidron Brook. It would have been the gate, watch this, it would have been the gate through which many of the people went daily in order to get water. Now, here's what the word says about itself. In Ephesians 5.26, it says in Ephesians 5.26, to make her holy, notice cleansing her by the washing with water through the what? Through the word, the word. So the fountain gate is a type of the word of God. Then he moved on to the king's pool. Watch this. This pool was a result of a project initiated approximately 300 years before Nehemiah's time. About 750 years before Christ, Hezekiah, one of Judah's godly kings, rose to power. Among his building projects was the strategic carving of an underground conduit designed to bring a fresh supply into the city of water, into the city of Jerusalem. Until that time, whenever Jerusalem was attacked by enemies, a simple siege would reduce the people to defeat. But now, thanks to Hezekiah, the solid granite conduit brought water from the Gion Spring outside the city walls to a pool built within the city that later was named the King's Pool. Now, when the King's Pool was dedicated, it meant that a continuing, life-saving water supply was now within the city of Jerusalem. Some scholars suggest that Psalm 46 was written to be sung at the celebration of the Pool's inaugural. And we read this in Psalm 46.4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now watch this. The King's Pool was functional in Jesus' time and still is today. And was called, watch this the pool of Salome. We read about it in John 9. In John 9, 6 and 7, having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eye. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Salome, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home sing. Now, the king's pool speaks prophetically of the Spirit of God because Jesus said this in John seven thirty eight: Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Now, Nehemiah, he goes to the dung gate, but then he moves on to the fountain gate and the king's pool. He's revealing to us what has to happen. He's revealing prophetically what has to happen if we want to experience going from the crop to the crop. We've got to be willing to move on. We've got to get into the Word because it's the Word that will wash away the stink off our lives. The Word has the power to wash away the stink off our lives. I know life can be stinky. I know that people can make life stink on us. But I want you to know that there's something more powerful. It's the Word of God that no matter what's been thrown at you, no matter what's been stuck to you that stinks, it can be washed away through the washing of the Word of God. What I want you to understand is this. Here it is. Here it is. To move on from the crap to the crop, from hurt to healing, from burden to blessing. We've got to let God cleanse us through the Word and come to Jesus for the filling of the Spirit. Do you get it now that when God calls you and I to go from crap to crop, He doesn't leave us without the equipment to experience transformation. God is not telling you, you've got to do this all by yourself. God is saying, I give you my Word and I give you my Spirit so that no matter what you face, you have the the equipment, you have the power, you have the ability to be able to wash it off your life, to be able to break free from it. It will no longer hold you in bondage. That's why I can tell you there's some addictions that nobody could free me from, including myself. But I'm a free man because of the washing of water by the Word and because I'm indwelt by the Spirit of life who has set me free 
of sin and death. I can tell you boldly. I can tell you with a hundred percent guarantee. It doesn't matter what you feel you are. You can be changed. You can be changed. Somebody said, but I was born this way. You might have felt that you were born that way, but you can be born again. You can be regened. God doesn't call you to become what he's called you to be without providing the power so that you can experience the reality of it. Say, preach it, pastor. I want you to know God wants to turn your messes into a message. He wants to turn your test into a testimony. He wants to turn your pain into promise. He wants to turn your hurt into healing. He wants to turn your setbacks into a comeback. He wants to turn your tears into cheers because he can do it. Today is your day to go from the crop to the crop. Pastor Angel, I lead a ministry in church. Pastor Angel, I'm just starting off. What would you encourage me with? Here it is. Leaders decide to use the crap as fuel to produce something beneficial. Watch this. Remind yourself that you can't expect a bumper crop without dealing with the crap. Stop whining and start shoveling. Get your wheelbarrow. Bring it into that manger. Set it down. Get your shovel. Start putting that crap into the wheelbarrow. Take it out to the field that God's called you to work and use it as fertilizer. Because here's what I know. It may feel like a crappy life right now, but if you work it through Him and you apply what He tells you to do, you're going to experience a harvest that will serve notice on hell. Hell, you don't have the last word. Heaven does. Hell, you don't have the last word. Heaven does. So today, for some of us, we need an attitude adjustment. Some of us are with carrying a beat-up attitude. And God's saying, I need to shift that in your life. But you need to work with me. You need to start washing your mind with the word. Others of us... We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need the stream of God flowing again. We knew the touch of the Spirit, but we don't know it because we haven't been filled in a while. But there's a river that makes glad the city of God. God will refill you. And then there's others of us. So I need to say, Lord, I'm going to stop whining and I'm going to start shoveling. I'm going to start using what you've called me use. I'm going to start washing myself in your word and I'm going to come to you to refill me. Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? Let me just be straight up honest with you. I got to do this every day. Why? Because every day life
life happens. Or can I be more honest? Crap happens. And I've got to say, Lord, wash me that I may have the right attitude today. Fill me with your spirit so that I can have the power to contend with what's here today. Amen? All right. Before we transit, Abe, stay there. I don't want you guys moving at all because I'm calling up leaders right now. Come on up here. Stand here. Jesse Kelly, would you come and stand? Brian, Alex, would you come? Would you come, Jeanette, and stand? And ask my wife to come. Consuela, would you come and stand? Leadership is never easy. Leadership is challenging. In leadership, you deal with the expected, but you also deal with the unexpected. And those in ministry will tell you, sometimes you deal with stuff you never knew about. Sometimes things come up that you're like, oops, they didn't teach me this in Bible school. (laughs) We never covered this. But the good news is, God never leaves you to fend for yourself. And if you'll choose as a leader, Lord, I'm going to lean into you even when I don't understand what's before me. God will give you insight and wisdom to deal with that. And I know these are some of our leadership here that I want to pray with. And give me that oil and we're going to pray. Would you stand, church? We're going to agree for uh, God's spirit of wisdom and revelation to illuminate the eyes of these leaders, the eyes of their understanding of their minds. This is what I've been praying for several weeks now. Out of Ephesians 1, over and over again, Lord, cause us to see through your spirit of wisdom and revelation. Donna and Sharon, would you come and help me pray as well with my wife over these leaders intercessors oh Santos come on up here please I was looking babe would you come and help me pray and Nate would you come and help me pray let's begin to lay hands and churches stretch out your hands this is a holy moment father Jesus' name. You said through the Apostle Paul, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. God, you're able to make all grace abound toward Abe so that in all things, having all that he needs, He will abound unto 
every good work. And I pray right now for the spirit of grace to impart supernatural imparted ability, abounding grace. And I speak to that mountain like you said to Zerubbabel. Say to it, shout to it, grace! you've placed in her. Cause her to see, Lord, the glorious inheritance you've deposited in her. So that she can experience more of its release in her life. The Apostle Paul said, now I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the sanctified. I declare right now, Lord, through the word of your grace, you're building her up. You're giving her inner fortitude and you're releasing the fullness of the inheritance that you've apportioned for your daughter. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your hand upon him. Lord, I thank you for that psalmist anointing you've given him, Lord. Lord, his heart desires, longs for expression, Lord, of songs, hymns, and spiritual songs that not only glorify you, but edify others. And I pray, God, right now, for the release of that river of your spirit within that births spiritual songs that affect and transform the atmosphere. I thank you, God, that you have birthed in him in the past songs in which he's declared devotion. I also believe you're birthing in him songs that will change the atmosphere and lead to breakthrough. The name of Jesus, I speak that over your son right now. And I pray this year, Father, be the most fruitful year yet. Lord, you've set him apart. You've called him, Lord. You've given him creativity. You've given him a sharp mind. And I pray along with that insight, Lord, that will help him navigate through challenges and lead to more fruit, lasting fruit. 
Father, thank you. Thank you for your mantle, your anointing upon your Son. We declare right now, Father, because his heart is set on you, you are giving him wisdom. You are giving him understanding. You're giving him insight, Lord. Father, I thank you that you are showing him this is the way. Walk in it. And I thank you, God, that that desire, that hunger for more, you have stirred it up. Because, Father, you are expanding, you're enlarging his territory. And I pray, God, that the borders of his inheritance and his influence would reach their intended end. Though the enemy try to crouch and try to squatter, we serve notice, no trespassing, no trespassing. All the ground, all the plot, all the portion, firmly established in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you for a heart of a warrior in the kingdom. Warrior in the kingdom, Lord. Like you, you are a man of war. Exodus 15:3. And you placed in him a heart of a warrior. He will not back down. He will not give up. He will rise. And like Shammah, he will defend the field. Protect the harvest. And see it come to fruition. Jesus' name, Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for this couple. Thank you for Brian and Alex. Thank you, God, for what you've done in the past. But, God, we're looking to the future. Greater glory. Greater works. Father, thank you that the seeds that have been sown, they've been watered, and now you're giving the increase, Lord. Thank you, God. They've sown in tears, now they reap with joy. That's your word, Lord. Because no word of yours will come back without fruit. It will accomplish the very thing for which you've sent it. And Lord, they've been praying it. They've been believing it. They've been holding to it. Now you're giving them a return. You're rewarding them, Father. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for a stronger than ever prophetic anointing, God. I thank you for insight. I thank you that you give her the tongue of the learned. I thank you that you give her, Lord, a tongue that is like the pen of a ready writer. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you awaken her ear to listen so that she can have a word for the weary in season. I thank you, God, that as she speaks forth, as she shares, Lord, what you reveal to her in secret, God, in order to bring out of others their inheritance, I thank you, God, that it is going to inspire hope, confident expectation, and lead to, Lord, fruitfulness, Lord, where there has been barrenness in lives. I thank you, Father, that you're using her to speak life. Life springs forth. Life. And I see right now in the Spirit, I see a barren field now, and I see flowers rising up. That is life. 
seeds that are beginning to blossom in the floors because of the influence of your daughter who has refused to cower but decided I'm going to let my mouth be an instrument for God. And Father, I thank you that you've equipped her for this moment. And I thank you that, God, you're placing her in places of barrenness. And I thank you now for the fruitfulness that's coming forth. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, thank you for this daughter of Zion. Thank you that you've clothed her with strength. Thank you that you've wrapped her, Father, with your anointing. And I pray right now, Father, that you continue to anoint. I pray right now for that anointing that destroys the yoke, not only to work in her, but through her, Father. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your spirit of wisdom and revelation would continue to illuminate the eyes of her mind, of her understanding. And I pray for clarity, Father. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus that you give her, Lord, an understanding of the paths that lead to righteousness as well as that lead to your life unfolding in its fullness, Lord. I thank you, Father, right now that you equip her by your Spirit. And I thank you that right now you feel her afresh. You feel her hungry heart afresh. You renew her by your Holy Spirit, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we speak over your daughter right now. Renewing by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the oil of gladness. Thank you for the oil of joy. You not only anoint our eyes to see, you give us an anointing to rejoice and joy in you. Because your joy is our strength, our fortress, our stronghold, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. Father, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this building right now. Now, leaders, I'm going to ask you to turn around. And I'm going to ask those of you that say, Pastor Angel, I need a breakthrough in my life. I want you to make your way forward. And these leaders are going to begin to lay their hands on you. Only if you want that breakthrough. Because I sense the anointing of the Holy Spirit flowing prophetically here today. And I don't want this moment to pass. If you need a breakthrough, you need a healing, you need the God of miracles to work in you. You come. You need a breakthrough in your life, in your marriage, in your home. You come. This is your moment. This is your moment. These leaders are anointed. They're called of God. And I believe the same anointing that's been flowing in them is now going to flow through them upon your life. That's it. Come, come, come. Make room at this altar. Keep keep coming in. Keep coming in. Keep coming in. Yes. There's an anointing here right now. Spirit of the living God. There's an anointing here right now. Jesus, come Holy Spirit. Do what you do. Do what you do. Lord, I declare healing. Lord, I declare restoration. Lord, I declare right now financial breakthrough. I declare relational breakthrough. I declare restoration in families, Lord. Yes. declare, Father, prosperity in the name of Jesus, of pushing forward to advance. Thank you, Jesus.
Jesus. And I pray for those watching on live stream today. I lift them up to you as well, Father. This same anointing that's flowing in this building right now is flowing in their homes, flowing in their vehicles, wherever they're at right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus. You've got a harvest for them. Just like you said in your word. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. Because in due season we will reap if we faint not, if we don't give up. I declare that over them, Lord. I declare their harvest has come. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare God right now, you give them strength to work it. To work the land. You give them the courage to believe that this is their season, Lord, of breakthrough. This is their season to experience the bumper crop that you've promised. In the name of Jesus. Right now, Father, I pray that this word would continue its washing in us that you would fill with your spirit, Lord, those of us that need a refill. Fill us in the mighty name of Jesus. Fill us in the mighty name of Jesus.